Good morning, everyone. My name is Lauren Lajenis, and I'm a member here at the Heights. We're going to spend some time in God's Word together now. Today's teaching comes from Romans 12, 1 through 10 in the Bible. The large numbers are chapters, and the small numbers are verses. Let's hear what God has to speak to us today. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. For by the grace given to me, I tell everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he should think. Instead, think sensibly, as God has distributed a measure of faith to each one. Now as we have many parts in one body, and all the parts do not have the same function, in the same way, we who are many are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. According to the grace given to us, we have different gifts. If prophecy, use it according to the proportion of one's faith. If service, use it in service. If teaching, in teaching. If exhorting, in exhortation. Giving with generosity, leading with diligence, showing mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be without hypocrisy. Detest evil, cling to what is good. Love one another deeply as brothers and sisters, taking the lead in honoring one another. Let us pray. Christ Jesus, thank you for giving us the gift of your word. We ask that you would speak clearly to us through it today. Help us to not just listen, but to truly obey it for our joy and for your glory. Amen. Amen. Let's give it up for Lauren. Thanks for serving us, Lauren. Love it. Excited to be with you this morning. Very good morning to you. Uh, Grab a Bible, open it up to Romans chapter 12. If you're new to the Bible, we're really glad you're here. We we welcome you to explore Jesus alongside of us. You can grab one of those Bibles out of the seat back in front of you, open it to page 1009. Yes, 1009, and you'll be uh, right where we're going to be diving in today. Happy Mother's Day uh, to those of you that are mothers and moms among us. I don't know what the difference between a mother and a mom is, but those of you, you know what I mean. Those of you who are moms, uh, thank you so much for being uh, with us today. In fact, I want to start with something. I want to start with just a moment of honor really quickly. Now, I'm about to ask you to put your hand up, and I'm not going to make you do anything weird. I'm not going to put you on the spot. But if you're a mom among us this morning, you can raise your hand if you're online too. Go ahead and raise your hand really quickly. If you're a mom among us this morning, go ahead and raise your your hand quickly. Now, if you're not raising your hand, here's what I want you to do. I want you to Stand up and give a standing ovation to all of the moms that are raising their hand right now. I love it. We just want to take a second and we want to honor you for all of the sacrifice and all of the hard work that you put in. We really do. We really do. We're really thankful for you guys. We really are thankful for you guys and hope that you leave here today uh, feeling really honored and really celebrated. We just want to name all of the sacrifice that goes in uh, to uh, being a mom. Now, we're going to do two things today, and I think today is going to be really fun. Uh, First, I'm going to do a brief, fingers crossed, brief teaching out of Romans 12 on building a culture of honor over a culture of contempt here in the life of the Heights. And then on the back end of the teaching time, I've actually got a panel of women who are also moms from the life of the Heights that we're going to invite up here. And I'm going to do a Q&A session on how we can best support, encourage, honor uh, the moms, not only here in the life of our church, but also here in the city as well. And so can you just get to the panel, man? But first, we're going to dive in uh, to the scriptures. Uh, to, so I think we're going to have a lot of fun together. First, 
I want to talk to you about what it looks like to build a culture of honor in the life of our church over a culture of contempt toward one another. We're in this teaching series called Counterculture, uh, where we're working line by line down through Romans chapter 12, looking at how the relational reality of the church of Jesus, literally like how we relate to one another and how we do life together should stand in stark contrast to the culture around us. And as we live into this vision, what we hope is that the church, the way we do life together, will become this bright light that is so attractive to the city around us, going, man, like, your relational reality is different. And when they start talking like that, we go, man, it's Jesus who forms us into this kind of family. So today, we arrive at this little line at the end of Romans 12 verse 10 that I really believe if we can individually figure out how to live into this line, it can change everything. Like this little line, if we will live into it individually, can change your roommate situation. It can change your family situation. It can change your friend's situation. It can change our church's situation. And it really can, on a missional perspective, it can change our city as well. Here's the line. I want to put it up on the screen. This is our whole teaching text today. Here it is. I've got it memorized. I memorized it for you, okay? Here it is. Take the lead in honoring one another. That's it. It's our whole text today. Take the lead in honoring one another one another. If I was to boil today's teaching down into one big idea, here's what it would be. Take the lead (laughs) in honoring one another. You know, whenever I first started writing this teaching, I thought that the opposite of honor was actually slander, uh, speaking poorly about one another. But in fact, it goes a little bit deeper than that. The opposite of honor is something called contempt, something called contempt. And oh boy, do we live in a cultural moment marked by this word contempt? In fact, when I define it for you here in just a second, you will probably agree with me that contempt is likely one of the greatest markers of life in the United States of America over the past year, contempt. So I want to give you a definition of contempt before we start to unpack it, and I want to show you how this is literally everywhere. Here's what contempt is. The feeling that someone else is beneath consideration, worthless, and deserving of scorn. Now, likely none of you would ever say this about anybody, like, I think you are beneath consideration. I think you are worthless, and I think you are deserving of scorn. But what I've discovered over the last week of like spending time in this one Bible verse is I've got a whole lot of contempt hidden right down here in my wicked little heart, right? Contempt is when we position ourselves over someone else in the place of superiority in order to look down on them and sneer at them. How could you live that way? How could you believe that? How could you think that? How could you do that? That is contempt. So let me give you some examples just to help you see that contempt is literally everywhere in our cultural moment. In fact, I think it probably defines our cultural moment in the United States of America almost better than any other single word out there. Let me give you some examples. First, we'll talk about economic contempt. 
Economic contempt. The poor look down on the rich as they are the problem. And the rich, what do they do? They look down on the poor as if they are the problem. Um, Economic contempt is also on a kind of like more uh, meta level, societal level. Capitalists look down on socialists like they're big government communists. And the socialists look down on capitalists like they're greedy money grabbers. Economic contempt. Let's just name one of the elephants in the room. It is political contempt. Let's just talk about it. Let's talk about the political contempt that's marked the last year. Oh, man. All Democrats think every problem stems from the Republicans, and all Republicans thinks, think every problem stems from the Democrats. In fact, uh, we've got both sides represented in the life of the Heights. Thankful for both of you, by the way, from your pastor. We're thankful for both of you. But it just probably bubbled up in your mind when I said that, why the other side is wrong right? It's like, this is just so deep down ingrained into us, where politically we think, man, we are superior, they are idiots, and I have no idea how they could believe what they believe without being an incompetent fool, right? Like, this is political contempt. What you need to realize as you scroll social media or maybe you watch cable news is that people like Chris Cuomo and Sean Hannity are only contempt generators. Do you know why? Because there's a lot of money to be made in contempt. There is a whole lot of money to be made in contempt. Geographic contempt, the rural look down on the urban and the urban look down on the rural. The north looks down on the south and the south looks down on the north. The west looks down on the east. The east looks down on the west. Geographic contempt. National contempt, the debate over immigration is a great example of this. The native-born look down on the immigrant as if they're going to do something that we don't want. And then, like, like right, the, the immigrant looks down on the native-born. Educational contempt. The educated elite look down on the uneducated, and the uneducated look at the educated elite as, they're, as if they're ruining everything. Generational contempt. Like you're seeing, like, this is literally everywhere. Generational contempt. Boomers look down on millennials as the lazy generation who will produce nothing and love to, pay attention to this, work from home. Work from home. Guys, let's just call it what it is. It's a day off, okay? And let's have integrity as followers of Jesus and not work from home, but actually work from home if we're going to do that, all right? So just a word on that. Uh, But this is, boomers kind of look down on millennials. And what do millennials do? I'm in this generation. We have the propensity to look down on boomers as narrow-minded conservative fuddy-duds who can't move on with the times, right? It's like generational contempt, And then now, boomers and millennials are linking up and hating on Gen Z, like the TikTok generation, like there is generational contempt among us. And finally, on a much more serious note, there's racial contempt. And you guys don't even need me to say this, to know this and see this and feel this. The sin, and hear me rightly, hear me clearly, this sin, this gross evil is probably the most evil of, or or I mean the obvious and the most evil of all of them in our cultural moment. The tragedy of racism, contempt because of skin color. Pay attention, that is what racism is, guys. Contempt because of skin color has unfolded throughout the history of our nation and continues to unfold right before our eyes still. Still, white looks down on black, Asian, Hispanic, treating our brothers and sisters of color with the disgusting sin of racial contempt. And then a cycle occurs, naturally, of course, My brothers and sisters of color begin to feel contempt in response because how could you not? Contempt. Now, you don't need me to do some fancy cultural analysis to see that contempt doesn't work. 
being known for what you're against does not work. It just doesn't. All contempt does is leave us in a massive communal spiral of hate and division. And what we need to name and be honest about is that this culture of contempt that we live in six and a half days a week has formed us. It's formed us. It's gotten down into our hearts, and what we do is we have the tendency not to be a distinct people, but to be a people that just go along with the ways of the world and bring that contempt that's out there right here into the life of the church, where our relational reality within the church is marked by contempt as well. I'll give you a few examples. Theological contempt. How could you believe the Bible says fill in the blank? How could you think? Now, I'm not talking about like doctrinal integrity and doctrinal purity. Like, I'm just talking about more secondary issues. How could you ever believe the Bible, theologically believe this? Contempt. Philosophical contempt. Like, man, I don't like the music. I'm going to stand over and look down because you do that kind of music. Or I don't like the Bible teaching there, whatever that kind of Bible teaching is. Or I don't like the positions the church holds. Contempt, it's just like we're infighting guys. Missional contempt. The church has a mission to make disciples and serve the world, and it's like there are so many different ways to do that, and it's easy to get all bent out of shape because of the way we do that. We have brought this problem of contempt into the church, and it becomes obvious that if we're going to see the things that we all want to see, things like love and peace and even justice, guys, contempt won't bring us there. Contempt cannot bring us there. It becomes clear that we need a different way, a better way. And guys, listen, it's the way of honor. We've got to learn to practice the way of honor. So for the rest of this teaching, before our panel comes up, I just want to answer two questions, okay? Two questions. We're keeping this simple today. Number one, what is honor? Number one, what is honor? And number two, how can we begin to practice honor around here? Number one, what is honor? And number two, how can we begin to practice honor around here? So first question, what is honor? Here's a definition of honor for you. Honor is simply the recognition of the value, contribution, and importance of others. You guys are like, I think I knew that. Well, good. Honor is simply the recognition of the value, contribution, and importance of others. Honor is very simply recognizing the value that someone has and esteeming that person rightly. So if contempt devalues people, honor revalues people, and around here at the Heights, we're striving to build a culture of honor. Now, what's so beautiful about this is that this is actually what we see Jesus doing in the scriptures all over the place. We see that Jesus is not a person of contempt, but Jesus is a person who's constantly extending honor. This is how Jesus comes to us in the gospel. He takes, think about this, he takes people like us, broken people, who you would think are worthy of contempt, and what does Jesus do? Rather than contempt, he actually bestows honor onto us. This is the foundation of this culture we want to build. This is what stands at the heart of Christianity. We have sinned. And in our sin and shame and fear and guilt, we think God would look down on us and stand over us with contempt, right? 
It's like God must like look at me with all kinds of contempt. But the shocking news of Christianity is that Jesus, God in the flesh, did not enter into the world to look down on us with contempt and shame us with contempt. But rather, what does he do? He restores our lives through bestowing honor on us. That's what he's doing all over the Gospels if you pay attention to the work of Jesus. Think about this. He does this in the cross. He honored us then in the cross by showing us that we were valuable enough. Pay attention to this. Don't leave this general. You were valuable enough for God to die for. That's Jesus bestowing honor. That's God honoring you. He then honors us by showing us that we don't have to live in these cycles of sin, shame, fear, and guilt, but he's inviting us into a bright new future marked by dignity and purpose and honor. This is what Jesus offers to everyone. This is how Jesus, this is his posture toward you, not a posture of contempt. If you just let this settle in, you'd see, wow, but a posture of honor. A posture says, I love you. You matter. I've given you gifts for you to walk into a posture of honor. This is, Jesus, this is how Jesus relates to us. Now, this is why Paul, the guy who wrote the book of Romans in Romans 12, can talk to us about how one of the natural overflows of the work of Jesus in our lives personally is that it changes us from people of contempt to people who are good at extending honor to the people around us. Let's just stare at this verse and consider what it means for us for just a second. Here it is, Romans 12, 10b. Take the lead in honoring one another. The word in the original language for honor literally means to prize one another, to assign value to one another. The command is really easy to understand. It's that we each individually would walk away from being people of contempt toward one another, where we're like constantly looking for the fault in each other. Like we're just, if you just are honest, like we're so bent to that, where we're easily annoyed with one another for one another's weaknesses and shortcomings, where we're kind of like just waiting for one another to do something stupid so we can be like, gotcha. It's like we do this. I don't know if you're like, yeah, I do that, but it's like, I do this. I'm just like, I am a person. My natural bent is contempt. Or maybe it's even like that we move away from being someone who's easily offended, that we move away from being people marked by contempt, and we move toward becoming people who are good at extending honor regularly to the, to the people around us identifying and naming the value that each person adds to the friendship, the church community, or the world, like naming, like looking for, identifying what is amazing about the people around you, and just like calling it out of them and and honoring them for it, whether it's privately or publicly, like this is the command of Romans 12, 10b, that we would be people marked by honor. I don't know uh, the last time you had somebody show you honor, uh, you can maybe go there in your, in, your kinda, in your mind for a second. But whenever somebody extends honor to you, it like changes the game for you personally. I don't know the last time you did this, but it really does. Um, it's like, the best way I can put it is like, it like puts some like jet fuel in you that will send you into the atmosphere and make you ready, like feel like you can take over the world. It's like honor can just like shift things for you personally. About a week ago, 
I had a guy that's been a mentor, a friend, and a coach to me for about six years now named Rick Burge honor me. And here's what you need to know about Rick before I show you the example in a, in a text thread, a text conversation uh, that I had with Rick. But there has been no one, here's what you need to know about Rick, there has been no one in the past six years that has pushed me harder than Rick Burge. Okay? There has been no one who has been more, and it's a gift to me, constructively critical of my leadership of the church than Rick Burge. In fact, if I know Rick Burge, uh, he's probably watching the live stream right now, texting me feedback on this teaching. Like, this is how, this is how Rick functions. So, like, when I get down there, I'll have a little bit of feedback on my teaching. Rick, Rick can be tough on me, but what it's done is it's helped me be, be a better leader, right? Like, this is why he is in my life. And last week, uh, Rick reached out to me. I want to put this uh, text conversation up on the screen. He reached out to me, and the context of this is he's asking about like how we're financially supporting church plants around the country. One of the things you need to know if you're new around here is we're really passionate about church planting. We have a goal to plant 20 new churches in the next 10 years, and so he's reaching out to me going, hey, like, how are you doing at supporting church plants, making sure you're not just about your thing but about God's kingdom? So he said this, hey, Corbin, I'm finalizing the list of SLN partners, that's Strategic Launch Network, that's what he leads, and who they are financially supporting this year. I know you were considering Carlos, maybe someone else. Have you made a decision yet? So he's basically going, hey, you given money or not, man? You know, he's like giving that. This is like the behind, behind the scenes church stuff. If you wonder what pastors do the other six days a week, this is kind of it, okay? So I'm getting a little, little peek behind the curtains. So I text him back. I said, hey, let me, let, me add, let me add this to our pastor's agenda to chat through. We need to kind of like work out. We've got some additional mission money that we, we intend to give to church planning. He said this, um, thanks, Corbin. No pressure. I didn't want to put pressure on you. And then look at these last two. I just said this. I said, thank you, want to be a part, believe in Strategic Launch Network big time. Now look at his response. His response was simply this. Can't be more than I believe in you. Can't be more than I believe in you. Guys, whenever I typed this out as an example of honor this last week, like tears came to my eyes. Tears came to my eyes because, like, listen to me. I'm a 31-year-old man. I know I don't have that much mileage under my belt, but like that's kind of grown man status at this point. I don't, you know, it's like I'm a grown man. And it's like when he just said, buddy, can't be more than I believe in you. Like I grew a superman cape and I was like, we're about to plant a hundred churches, not like 20 churches. What a measly goal, right? It's like, I like listen, guys, and my point in bringing this to you is honor is so simple. It is so simple to send a text like that, but it can just like change people's stories. It can change people's days. It really can change, one, uh, change the trajectory of people's lives. It's like, and it's like, what if we just began to look for? What if we just like Romans 12 tend each other constantly? What kind of community would this be? It would be amazing. Like what if we just looked for opportunities constantly to send each other texts like that? Can't believe, just looking for little opportunities can't be more than I believe in you. Hey, you're good at this, whatever it is. What if we rolled into community group or right here on Sunday mornings, ready not to like rebuke one another or kind of like look down on one another, but ready to extend honor to one another. Honor, guys, listen, honor can change people's days and honor really can change people's lives. It really can. So I just want to give you a really practical tool before I give you some honor categories uh, before we invite our panel up there's something called the contempt filter and the honor filter. And I just want to challenge you, which filter are you viewing people through more? The filter of contempt 
or the filter of honor. Here's how the filter of contempt works. It's like you enter into a relationship with somebody and you're just kind of looking for what is stupid in them. Like waiting for them to do something wrong or waiting for them to do something that kind of annoys you so that you can just like either rebuke it or roll out. That's the contempt filter. But where Romans 12.10b calls us to is to look at people, to view people through the, through the filter of honor. Here's how the filter of honor works. What in this person is amazing? What, in this, what is this person really good at that, in, that I can kind of like catch them doing the right thing in and then I can name it and I can celebrate it? Guys, Romans 12.10b just says, begin to view people through this filter of honor. So how can we begin to practice honor? Look back at the verse, Romans 12.10b. Take the lead in honoring one another. Take the lead in honoring one another. So notice, the command here isn't to look around the room and be like, who's going to come and honor me today? You know, and then be offended because we talked about honor today, but nobody actually honored you, right? That's not how this works. What's it say? It says, take the lead in honoring one another. Other translations, you might have it in your Bible. They say this, outdo one another in showing honor. So it's almost like we're trying to one-up one another in honor. That's, that's the point of the text. That's, the, that's what Paul, the Apostle Paul is trying to say. So how can we take the lead? How can you take the lead and become a person who's constantly extending honor instead of contempt? Well, John Tyson, in his book, uh, Beautiful Resistance, names five areas we can look to, look to to honor in people's lives. These are, and I just found these so practical and so helpful. I want to end by giving you these five areas. Here they are, and then a word on each. We can honor others' stories, honor others' callings, honor others' sacrifices, honor others' gifts, and honor one another's futures. Okay? A word on each. First, honoring others' stories. Just beginning to listen to what people have been through in their life. Their story. Not dismissing it, but listening to the wounds and the pains and the triumphs and the celebrations of their life and going, wow, like, I, people's stories are amazing, and we honor people by just listening to their stories and being amazed and maybe even naming the ways you see God at work in their stories and how God has used them, honoring other stories, honoring others' callings. We believe that in the kingdom of God, no career or calling is substandard. All, all are on the same level playing field, and naming when people are good at their jobs, Good at their callings, good at their careers, identifying it, naming it, and celebrating it. You are good at blank, and I just want to honor you for it. You're really good at that. Honoring other sacrifices. This is a huge one, guys. This is a huge one. Honoring one another's sacrifices. You know, we just catch people in like a tiny little window of their life. We really do, and we often don't know the sacrifices that any individual has made in order to get to where they're at in life. And so here's the thing, like, if you're a person, whether it's a friend or a family member or acquaintance, that knows some of those sacrifices that that person has made, just to name that and celebrate that and say, wow, I just want to honor you for that sacrifice, is huge. Fuel in the fuel tank. Honoring one another's sacrifices, honoring others' gifts. This was probably the easiest and most natural to do in the life of the church, identifying and naming when simply people are good at something. It's like, 
hey, I just want to name that you're really good at this, and like, I just want to honor you for it. Not in a simplistic way, but like in a very specific way, a very obvious way. Like, you're really good at this, naming people, naming and honoring others' gifts. And finally, honoring others' futures. In this chapter in the book, Beautiful Resistance, Tyson says this. I love this line. Honor sees who someone can become, not just where they came from. Okay? It sees into the future of, for people. Love that. And as I was reflecting on that, like how we can honor one another's futures, that what God might want to do is more than we could ask or imagine in your future individually, I was thinking like, this is my story. Like I had a mentor, a guy named Aaron Harvey, who discipled me uh, while I was working on a master's degree. He stepped in and he began to name and honor some of the gifts that God has given me. And he said, hey, like, I really could see God, God using you to plant a new church in a major urban area. Have you ever thought about that? And in that moment, he was honoring my future. And what did it do? It changed the trajectory of my life. It really did. It changed the trajectory of my life. Listen, you have that power in people's lives, whether you know it or not. The power not of contempt, but the power to honor, to name future. So church family, this is very simple. Romans 12, 10b, let's take the lead in honoring one another. I love this word, final word. I have a friend that pastors a church in Boulder, and I was texting back and forth. He saw on Instagram that I was teaching on honor this week, and he, he said this about honor. He goes, hey, here's, here's a little line for your church. I think you should get him. He said this, honor is not passive, it's aggressive. Honor is not passive, it's aggressive. So here's what that means. You've got to be aggressive with this. It is not our, it's not my or, yours natural t- or your natural tendency to extend honor. It's our natural uh, tendency to sit back with passive contempt toward other people. So it's not passive, it's aggressive. Second, it's not accidental, it's intentional. You're going to have to think about it. Like this week, asking God, God, would you give me the filter of honor? And finally, it's not broad, but it's specific. It's not broad, but it's specific. It's not like, hey, you're a great human being. That's not honor. What honor is, is naming specific things that you see that other people are really good at, that are amazing about that person, and speaking in. So here's what we want to do. Today is, I love today. I'm really excited for this. It went really well in the first service. Today, we just want to end by practicing this. Uh, and uh, I don't know if you know this, but we've said it about 5,000 times today. It's Mother's Day, a day where we spend honoring moms and mom-like figures in our lives. So what I've done is I've asked a panel of women uh, who are also moms in the life of our church family to come, and I'm going to do a Q&A with them on how we as a church family, you individually, can best support, encourage, and bring honor to the moms uh, in the life of our church, in your lives, and in our city. So I want to welcome up our panel. We're going to get some stools set up. Let's give it up for our panel. You guys can come on up here. Um, We're going to rearrange here in just a second, and uh, I'm really excited about having you guys. All right, moving a little slow here, so just bear with us. (laughs) Um, Man, so, so excited uh, to have you guys uh, with us today. Thanks for joining us for the second service. This is the second time through. Uh, You guys will kind of feel what I feel in every 1030 service where it's like, did I say that this time or did I say that last time? But really excited uh, to have you guys with us. Happy Mother's Day uh, to you all. Really excited for you guys to pour into the life of our church and kind of help us consider how we can best honor uh, moms in the life of our church and in our city. So here's what I would love, uh, love to do to start. I would love for you to introduce yourself, tell us where you live in the city, and tell us a little bit about your family. You want to start on the end? Yeah. Hello. Uh, My name is Jennifer Adams. I live in North Park Hill. Um, I have two daughters. Solara is two and Tori is four months old. 
Love that. Uh, my name is Jess Craig, and I live in Congress Park. And um, I have two little boys. Um, Milo's nine, and uh, Remy is five. Love it. Yes. Hi, my name is Jamie McDaniel. Um, we live in the Hale Montclair. I'm always confused about the line there. Me too. Hey, okay. I live in that neighborhood. I never actually know where I live, okay, so thank you. That's it's fine. Encouraging. Um, we have two little girls. Madeline is eight, and Amelia is six. I love it. Well, thank you guys again uh, so much for being with us. I want to start with you, Jennifer. Uh, by the way, I made this joke in the first service. Apparently, you ha your name had to start with a J to be on the panel today because uh, we've got Jennifer, Jamie, and Jess. So anyway, so if, you, you, you know, if you're a mom and your name, that's how you didn't make the cut is your name maybe didn't start with, uh, with J. Uh, but Jennifer, I want to start with you on the end. You know, uh, I've observed this in, in my wife. Becoming a mom really shifts a lot of things. And one of the things that shifts is it shifts how you experience God and how you experience what you what you know about God, how you experience what you know about the character of God. So, how has becoming a mom just let us into your world a little bit? Shifted how you ex maybe experience God's goodness and His kindness, and primarily His character. Yeah. Well, one thing that I have been confronted with, like an emotional sense. Uh, And I didn't I was involved right in love the tragedies that happen in our lives. And the thing that being a mom has shown me is that's completely not how it is. And um, my little sister like crying immediately. I need hugs. And I think what I've realized is it comes to me weeping out to like wipe off her tears. To wipe off our tears and be like, I'm okay, God, like it's happening. But really to just weep and kind of is like to grow and experiencing the love of God, you need to grow and you vulnerability with God. Mm. And that's been really, really challenging for me, but it's also been like so rewarding and so so crazy to see this whole other side of God's character that I never even knew could was possible or was there. That's so good. So basically like it's okay to not be okay. And I love, I love the thought of like how you relate to Solara when she's not okay is how the Heavenly Father relates to us, right? That, that it's okay to not be okay and we don't have to like bring a cleaned up version to ourselves before God. That's so cool. Would you guys add anything uh, to that, uh, that idea? I would say a new understanding of what it means to be a child of God because of being a mom now. Yeah. I, like I would never, like, I look at my kids and I think I love them so much. And if they ever came to me and said, do you really love me? I, I just, it feels like it would be so absurd to, like, oh, that's for so them good. to come to me. And, like, you know, and I think I just understand his love. Like, his just, I'm always going to be a part of his family. Because, they, like, I can see that they, that even if they go and do their own thing, they'll always be a part of our family. Yeah. And um, I just, I have understood 
that like that a little bit differently now. That is so, so good. I love it. Jess, can you maybe talk to us a little bit about some of the challenges of being a mom in the city? One of the ways, and we talked about this, one of the ways we extend honor is uh, we understand the sacrifices and the challenges that other people have walked through. And so we would love, Jess, I'll let you start. And if you guys have anything to add, uh, what are some of the challenges to being a mom in the city? Well, I appreciate you asking that. I'm going to switch it to looking at, like, less about more like a challenge and more about opportunities. Um, I talked in the first service about how, like, we have a small yard, and I've always looked at that as a challenge. But really the opportunity is, well, we have to go to the park. And every time we go to the park, someone makes a new friend. And I meet a new person, or at least we get out and we get exercise in a way that maybe we weren't able to before. And I think... Um, that's just one example, but like participating in school and going to the library and going, like choosing to, you know, go out to eat instead of stay at home, like all these opportunities, um, I feel like are more readily available than if we were to be out in our own kingdom in the suburbs where we don't have to leave our one acre and we can just go to the store and come right back and walk in our garage and not even like go to the front door. And so... I think um, you can look at it as a challenge, but for me, I feel like we try to look at it as like the opportunity to have more of a front porch culture in our whole life than just like this. That's so good. Fenced in backyard outside of the city. Yeah, totally. I love that. Like one of the challenges is small house, small yard. Uh, But you're just like, hey, we're going to embrace this challenge. We're going to see it as an opportunity. We're going to go meet our neighbors and be a blessing to the city. That's so good. Would you guys add anything on like challenges, opportunities, that kind of thing in in being a mom? I mean, I think I would just echo that, like having just moved here in the fall of last year and um, getting settled into our smaller urban setting of a home. It's it's just really different. It's really different. But um, I would say it's been a blessing even to have Jess and Dan watch them and how they're doing that with their kids and be like, okay, all right, this is, we got this, we can do this. Like, it doesn't have to be totally so hard. Yeah, yeah. totally. That's so, so that's so good. Um, you know, a lot of folks that are here maybe don't have kids. Uh, maybe they're, you're, you're married, don't have, ki- don't have kids quite yet. Uh, you're single, you're part of our church family. And one of the things that we say all the time is that the church isn't an event that we attend, but a family that we belong to. And so one of the questions we want to ask whenever we come to like a, a, a group of women who are also moms is like, how can the church best come around and honor and support you? So Jamie, I'll let you, I'll let you start with that. If you guys want to run with anything on the ways that we can honor and support you as a, as a church family? Oh man, that's such a great question. And I feel like there's so many things that we could say, um, in response to that. Um, because I think for us as women, regardless of phase of life or stage or whatever, wherever you are, that we long for community, right? To be seen and to be known. And, um, but I've never felt that more than the day I became a mom. I mean, I remember sitting in the hospital and staring at this baby like, oh my gosh, I love you so much, I think my heart could explode. But also, I can't believe they're just going to let me take you home. (laughs) And like, I'm supposed to know what I'm doing. And just the weight of that hit me like a ton of bricks. Um, But I think what is beautiful and unique about the church and being the family and body of Christ is is to be there for one another. Um, I think there's obviously like encouraging and loving and supporting moms like this happens in community 
Um, we joke like moms are really good at hiding and acting like we're good because it's hard to ask for help and it's hard to look like, even though, you know, we often do look like things are falling apart and our kids are running around <laughs> naked or, you know, whatever. Um, That's good. But in community is when you see like the real side of like, hey, how can I love you? How can I encourage you and speak truth over you and um, support you, bring you a meal or paying with your kids or um, or whatever. But um, also I've been reading this book that Jess actually told me about, a, a parenting book that is phenomenal. It is Raising Passionate Jesus Followers. Jesus Raising followers. Passionate Jesus Followers. The last name of the author is Comer. 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 Yeah. Yeah. It's so good. But one of the things he starts the book with is this is an older couple and they have raised four kids who are walking with the Lord and raising their families in the same way. And he just said, you know, I realized at one point that we as parents, we are laying, we were laying a foundation, a spiritual foundation for others to build on. Um, shared the gospel with them, raised them in truth. This is true for me. Like I had amazing parents who shared the gospel with me and we went to church and they laid the foundation, but it was other people Later in my life, whether it was at church or, or after, you know, into college, that built on that foundation. And I just sat there as a mom, and I was so struck by that, but encouraged. Because the, the whole phrase, like, it takes a village, like, it really does. And that's y'all. Like, you're yeah. my village. I'm your village. Like, when we do parent commissioning, we're locking arms and saying, hey, we're coming together to, like, raise up disciples for Jesus. And, um, yeah, I just, I'm so grateful. Like, Heights Family, you do that so well. Like, yeah. we have seen that over and over again since we moved here, that the church is family. And I'm just so grateful that um, this is where my kids will grow up and that y'all mm. will get to pour into them. And and the gift of the church is that maybe you're not a mom yet. Like, maybe you're in a season of waiting or longing or um, you still get to play that role spiritually yeah. for the people around you, whether it's my kids and Heights kids or whether it's a girl in your group or, or whatever that looks like that, um, that God is so kind to give us the family in that way. That's so good. I love it. Would you guys add anything to that? Other ways the church can come alongside, support, bless, honor? I would just say, like, since I have boys, I'm thinking a lot more about, yeah. like, you know, um, people who have come along, me or my husband or, um, you know, like, as coaches or teachers or just, like, solid guys in their life. And, um, yeah. you know, just people who are older and along, like, along the journey a little farther. And I think, like, I, I just, I look forward to getting to know more about, like, just guys who can like pour into my kids and yeah. like take them for you know to the park or whatever like yeah. obviously we'd have to know each other but um, <laughs> if you're a stranger and you don't know <laughs> Jess don't come ask can I take your kids to the park that's weird but if you know her offer that yeah that's good that's so good I love it let me let me ask uh, one last question I'd love for all of you uh, all of you to answer all of us in the room and online, we've got a group of people joining us online too. It's easy to forget about all the people online. Um, and uh, we all have moms right now or mom-like figures, uh, women we look up to. Um, can you help us just be creative and know what are some of the best ways we individually can come alongside women like that in our lives and bless and honor them? Um, on Mother's Day, you can speak to Mother's Day, but also in an honor.
ongoing way throughout the year. Jennifer, do you want to kick us off on that? Yeah. Um, my first thing that just came to mind, my daughter likes to wear a blanket on her head like a weirdo. <laughs> um, but so many people in the church have been like, oh my gosh, she's so cute. That's so cute. I love it. And I'm, it honestly just, at first I was so, I was like begging her, please take that off. We're going to church. Please take that off. And it felt so uncomfortable, but having like little encouragements about like the weird things that our kids do, or even just like <laughs> the, the, the great things that we're doing as moms is so important and so helpful. And just like people that are there in your life to help kind of support and encourage really makes a huge difference. That's good. That's good. Jess, what would you add? Uh, I, I would say um, it's really cool to be honored on Mother's Day, but like it's even more awesome to like not be forgotten that like I'm not yeah. just a mom throughout the year like I'm an artist I'm a musician I'm a leader I'm a mentor I'm a you know I, I'm a host I'm a gardener like all these other things that I feel like I am in addition to being a mom it's huge um it's it means a lot to me when those things get noticed and celebrated like throughout the year yes well. that's so huge that you're not only a mom it's like so easy for everyone to be like she's a mom she's a mom but like you're so much more god's given to you so in so many other ways that's big would you add anything jamie i mine is very similar yeah just that i'm not just a mom like i'd love to hang out just, <laughs> yeah you know just when when you're when you have kids like that's what you become but it's just it's just a small thing but it's encouraging to be like hey there's because we forget there's so much more to us than what we're feeling like we're drowning in in the day-to-day. Um, so, yeah, yeah that, celebrating the little things. That's so good. Would you guys join me in thanking uh, these women? Uh, thank you guys so much. Well, happy Mother's Day. We really do honor you guys today and hope you feel honored every, every other Sunday. Jamie, I'm going to ask you, would you lead us out and just like a prayer of blessing um, over our moms and then we will, uh, over the moms here, and then we will uh, continue in worship. God, we just, Father, what a gift it is to come together as the body of Christ and celebrate um, our moms in the room that are here in the room, God, that are watching online or, or somewhere else. Um, God, the women who have invested in us, mm. like moms and our own moms, God, we celebrate. God, we're grateful for them. God, we ask that you would just continue to pour out your grace and your mercy on us as we continue um, to serve and to love our families and our kids and push one another towards the gospel. Father, um, I also pray, God, I know that there are some in the room here or listening that, you know, maybe life doesn't look like what they thought it would at this moment, at this point, God, and, and there's disappointment or there's longing or there's waiting, God, and we just we just stop and take a minute and ask God that you would comfort and provide in a way that only you can by your spirit. Um, God, would you just continue to lead us well, to give us wisdom to know how to walk well with one another, God, in every season, whether we're new moms or we're watching our moms raise their own families, God, that we need one another as the body. Um, and God, would you just, yeah, God, bless that bless that in our hearts, our efforts to love one another well. God, we ask all of these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Can we celebrate them one last time as they leave? Thank you guys so much. Um, let's go ahead and stand.